0: www.brfcs.com.
1: By the fans, for the fans, since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 42. I'm the BRFCS editor, Wen Waihu, and with me in today's virtual studio is Chief Reporter Cami. Uh, good morning, Cami. How are you? Morning, Wen. I'm fine. Good. Yeah. Uh, how's uh, how's things over in Blackburn?
0: Yeah, they're all right. We're, we're top of the league. Uh, the yep. sun's still not shining, uh, but other than that, it's fine. Great. Yeah.
1: Um, I last saw you uh, about three weeks ago for the Leicester match. It was uh, uh, an, a great win, shall we say? But the performance
0: wasn't uh, wasn't great throughout, was it? No. I mean, uh, how we. Well, pretty much all the games this season. Really, how we got away with uh, a, a winning that game, uh, I'll, I'll never know. Uh, obviously, you yeah. take the three points because uh, it's the main. That's the main thing. But uh, uh, performance was all over the place, um, yeah. and, and also uh, the attendance, uh, as you saw firsthand when uh, um, you know in the Jack Walker Upper, uh, it was almost deserted where we were sat.
1: Yeah, I was quite surprised by that. Yeah. So, uh, we'll come back to those matches in a minute, though. Yeah. Uh, Bristol City, we uh, played yesterday against Bristol City. Uh, went top of the league with a, a five-three away win, uh, scoring uh, two goals in uh, in injury time or added additional time as it's called these
0: days. Um,
1: what did you make of that?
0: Uh, yeah, um, obviously I wasn't at the game, um, but um, I thought I've seen extensive highlights of it, um, and basically uh, going forward, as we've done. Against Leeds and uh, you know to some extent against Leicester, we were brilliant. Uh, our attacking play was um, really good. Uh, we put them under constant pressure um, and scored uh, some some really good goals. Obviously Jordan Rhodes scored two. Uh, his second goal was very should I say uh, dare say uh, shira esque. Where he cut in from the right hand side, defender backed off and he just curled it round the keeper. Uh, Scott Dan scored um, with a volley in injury time and Ruben Rochina got another goal Uh, so on an attacking sense it's brilliant, you know, last two away games we scored eight goals Uh, the big problem though is something that I've been banging on about for more than a year now and that's our defensive displays Uh, and uh, again yesterday uh, you know, Leicester, I'm sorry not Leicester Bristol scored within 48 seconds um, and after that, defensively we were all over the place. Um, it's not that our defence is bad, but as a unit we don't defend properly, and unfortunately that comes from the manager. Uh, you know, Keane Keane's not been able to set up a team in a defensive sense uh, since he's taken charge. Um, even last year, you know, we were the top scorers in the bottom half of the table, but it was the amount of goals that we conceded which eventually cost us. Now in the championship, yeah, we're scoring five goals and three goals, uh, and it's really good to see that. But defensively, we're all over the place, and sooner or later, teams will 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 punish us. Uh, the good thing with the championship is uh, you can make mistakes, you can get away with it because teams are at, not at the level that Premier League teams are at, so you do get away with mistakes. But having even said that, um, you know, it's really really concerning for me that we, you know, you know, we've conceded. Three goals against Bristol, who are, who are a decent side, but they're not one of the top sides in the, in, in the Championship. And on the back of conceding three at Leeds, and it's something that needs sorting.
1: And even- we could easily have lost uh, three against Leicester as well. I mean, uh, first 15, 20 minutes, uh, uh, if that had been a, a Premiership side, we would have uh, been a couple down, I think, wouldn't we?
0: Yeah, and even in the second half of that game, it was you know Leicester on top, and you know they were walking through our defense at times um, because again, it's not because GV, Dan, Handy are bad defenders; it's because they're not set up properly. Don't get much cover from uh, Murphy or from who The team as a unit doesn't defend properly, um, and you know it was the same against Leicester, at Leeds. Um, from all accounts, you know we could have conceded. Sp- five six seven goals in the second half it was more you know luck than judgment that we actually got a point in the end and the same again yesterday yeah yeah we, we scored five and it's absolutely brilliant but uh, you know we did give a heck of a lot of chances away uh to bristol and with the quality of player we've got you know at the back you know dan um gv obviously went off injured but hanley uh martin olsen bradley or oh, you know these guys should be a be able to defend properly and, and we're just not doing it. And you know, Leicester was the same, Leeds was the same, Bristol obviously the same. And even the Ipswich a game away oh at the start of the season. Uh we we again we could have lost that game uh, because defensively we're all over the place. Um uh, so so it, to me, for me that's a big concern. Um yeah, it's absolutely brilliant that we're top of the table. Uh, we've got off to a fantastic start in terms of the points that we're getting. Uh, but if, if we can sort the defence out, then there, there's a real chance that we can, um, you know, take things forward and and, and and make a real good go at trying to get back up again.
1: Yeah, uh, we saw the return of uh, Martin Olsen yesterday. Um, he was put on the bench to start with. Um, However, uh, unfortunately, he he had to be brought into the action because of uh, an injury to his uh, twin brother Marcus. Um, but it's good to see him back, Martin Olsen, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm. It's obviously you know it's uh, different to the unzonzi situation. Uh, Martin's uh, still committed to the club. Uh, there were some comments attributed to him um, um, through the Swedish press earlier this week where. It, it was. They were trying to intimate that he was unhappy. Uh, he's not unhappy. He did want to move. He's made no secret of that. He put a transfer request in. Uh, a lot of it's to do with his agent Martin Darlene, who's uh, been pushing for him to 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 get out of Rovers. Uh, Darlene thinks that he needs to be playing at the top level for him to maintain his place in the Swedish first team. Uh, so that was his motivation for trying to get him out of Rovers. Uh, Rovers put a evaluation on his head. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but it'll be more than five million. And there were bids for him on transfer deadline day, but they they didn't get to the level that Rovers wanted. Um, so, so he stayed. Uh, Martin's a very good lad. Uh, I've talked to him a number of times. Um, and what he won't do is, uh, you know, kick up a fuss. So, uh, he know he understands that there's a valuation and unlike samba and, and zonzi, uh, he's he's willing to stay. Uh, you know, not maybe not ecstatic, but he's committed and he's willing to stay while the club have a valuation on his head. He understands that. So, you know, it's it's good to see and obviously he came on yesterday and uh, made made an impact and, and it's good that we've got somebody of his calibre uh, still at the club. And yeah. In the Championship, uh, what teams really hate is players with pace. Uh, So he he could be a very, very big player for us, Um, him and his brother. um, I think if if they both play together, that left-hand side, um, the pace that we'll have will create lots of problems for for teams, particularly teams that come to Ewood who want to sit deep and try and frustrate us. Uh, The pace that Martin and Marcus have, it'll cause them a huge amount of problems.
1: Yeah, uh, the Leicester game uh, that we watched, uh, there's a terrible lack of pace uh, down the flanks, in fact, throughout the team. Uh, but, uh, yeah, with the, the two Olsons uh, back now uh, and hopefully uh, uh, Colin Kazim richards will be back uh, within the coming week, uh, provide a bit more pace. Uh, also on the right side of midfield, uh, Bruno Ribeiro has moved up from right back. Um he was uh, a bit of a revelation uh, against Leicester in the second half and has uh, is, uh, is been quite uh, influential throughout pre-season and the early matches. What, what do you
0: make of Bruno Rivera's uh, uh, emergence? Yeah, I mean, he was a man who disappeared for a year or so and suddenly he pop, up he pops during pre-season and looked fairly decent. So you think... You know, hey, oh, this guy, You know what he be doing for the last year? He, he, he seems OK. Uh, but obviously, pre-season, you always have some players who do well, and then when it comes to competitive football, they fall back. Uh, but yeah, he's coming to the first team, and he's done really well. Uh, I have my concerns about him in a defensive sense, uh, but um, going forward, he's, he's, he's really good. He's got a good touch. He's got a fairly decent pace. He puts a good quality ball in. Uh, so he's been mainly playing at right wing um, rather than at right back um, and, and he looks really good and uh, definitely uh, a decent squad player who can, can have an impact and again at home games where teams are sitting back uh, and you get a bit more uh, time and space in terms of teams uh, sitting deep, um, I think he could he could be a really good player for us so uh, he's become a bit of a cult hero um, between the Rovers fans uh, so So, uh, you know, they like him and it's because he's disappeared for a year and then suddenly popped up again and has done a really good job. He's fully committed. I think we saw that as well, like he runs around, he gives 110% and and he showed some pretty decent quality as well. So I think he's been the biggest surprise of this season uh, in terms of somebody completely disappearing. People thinking, oh, he's complete and utter pants because he didn't even play in the reserve team. So you think oh my, like, you know, what the hell did we sign him for last year? But it looks like he's spent that year learning, um, you know, trying to improve himself. And, and now he's doing a, a, a pretty decent job for us uh, in the first team.
1: Yeah. Uh, now we've uh, we've had the uh, Portuguese contingent uh, coming into the club uh, during the close season. Uh, uh, including uh, Nuno Gomez, who's uh, scored again yesterday, uh, scored three in three games now, uh, and also uh, uh, Jordan Rhodes, uh, who's uh, got his first two goals against Bristol City. Um, what do you make of uh, Jordan Rhodes?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the the fee, you know, £8 million, um, it's not all up front. I think it's £3.5 million. Uh, initial payment, another half, one and a half million at Christmas, and the remainder over a sort of two or three year period. Uh, so it is a massive financial commitment. I think everyone in football has been surprised by the £8 million pound fee. But um, to be honest, I hadn't seen much of him uh, until Rover signed him. It's, 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 a, it's a player I knew had scored a lot of goals, but I hadn't really taken much notice of him. But I did watch him. Uh, play sort of 10 minutes against Serbia for Scotland, and then uh, he played a bit longer against Macedonia on on Tuesday. And I was very impressed with his movement. Um, He's not blessed with great pace, but he seems a very clever player. He moves really well. He gets into good positions. And obviously, if he gets a goal-scoring opportunity, he tends to hit the target. And yesterday, I didn't see him, but everybody who was there, they were saying that this guy was superb he linked up play, he held the ball up quite well uh, he got moved he moved around into really dangerous positions and took both of his goals really well. The first one it was a one on one situation and he slotted it past the keeper and the second one honestly reminded me of the kind of goal that Shearer used to score where he'd cut in from the right hand side, get into the box, defenders backing off, and he just curled it from a pretty tight angle. Right into the top corner, uh, so you know it's really, really positive start for him. Uh, it looks like the eight million pound transfer fee, which I worried might uh, be a pressure to him, but it's not. He doesn't seem worried about that, and he's made a really, really positive start. And and he can score, you know, 20 goals for us, then you know it's the difference between possibly finishing in a playoff place and, and automatic promotion. And I think that's what Rovers have gambling that we get up within the next two seasons. And then, you know, that's a really good £8 million investment, which could turn into a £100 million uh, investment in terms of getting into a Premier League next season.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jordan Rose, if he can contribute uh, 15 to 20 plus and uh, some of the other strikers can back that up with uh, double figures, that'd be fantastic. Uh, Nuno Gomez, uh, there's a lot of scepticism uh, on the board about uh, his signing, uh, 35 going on 36, he's now turned 36. And, um, you know, he, he's not got a great deal of pace. Uh, so there's a lot of scepticism about him coming in. But uh, he's uh, he's got great intelligence and uh, he knows where the back of the net is.
0: Yeah, again, he's a, another surprise uh, in terms of, uh, you know, even I, I didn't have many much hope for him. I thought he'd be a good impact player where he comes on last 15, 20 minutes and depending, you know, if you're winning, he'll hold the ball up for us or if you're losing, maybe nick a goal for us. Uh, but he started games and, like you said, when he's a very, very clever player, uh, he gets into good positions. Uh, he hasn't got his pace, but he's got a brain, you know, which is, thinking two moves ahead and and you know again he's another one who's only getting you know every chance he's getting he's either hitting the target or, or scoring. Uh so three goals is brilliant and again he's made a very good start. The the people who were there yesterday were saying uh the link up play between Gomez and, and Rhodes was was superb at times where they were both playing one twos and then the other one moving into a, a position um and, and they seemed to be seem to have a pretty good understanding. So again, if they are starting to build a partnership, then them two together um, will, will be brilliant. And if they can keep things going until January-February time, then we should have uh, Leon Best back, uh, which then gives us even more options. And you've got Kazim Richards, who's also made a good start to the season. So suddenly we've got uh, three or four strikers who are, who are scoring on a regular basis. And then we've got Rubens Rachina who's uh, who I think could run right in this division if he's given uh, a regular starting spot. Uh, he does make mistakes. He hasn't got a brain yet, but he's got lots of skill and a lot of ability. Uh, if he learned to use that in the right areas, then uh, honestly, he could become a Matt Janssen type of player for us when we were in the Championship last time. Uh, he, he's that, that good. Uh, the problem is he does... Uh, risky things in in dangerous areas at times. Um, you know, you might try uh, to take on too many in the centre circle and end up losing it, and suddenly our our defence is exposed. So that's the only concern with him that he doesn't seem to have a footballing brain, but uh, he's you know causing a lot of problems for teams when when he's coming on. Uh, so so he's another one. So you've got Rubens, you've got Colin. Kazim Richards, you've got Rhodes, you've got Gomez, and then you've got Leon Best to come uh, after Christmas, so that's a heck of a lot of, uh, of firepower that we've got, and uh, it'll cause problems for the vast majority of, of championship sites.
1: Yeah. Uh, Attacking-wise, we're looking pretty good. Uh, the the thing that um, really stood out for me against Leicester was the quality of the opposition. And um, any decent team that's come down from the Premiership uh, really ought to be able to, you know, as long as they can keep keep the, the core of their, their their Premier squad together, uh, they really should uh, should be able to make headway on that table. Um, personally, I, th- I think that uh, we should be aiming for the for the two automatic uh, promotion spots. Uh, the quality is nothing like uh, uh, the Premier League, nothing at all. Uh, the defence, however, uh, and the organisation of the team uh, really, really needs to be, uh, well, I, I mean, we, we've been saying this for months and months and months now, but uh, uh, ho- hopefully we'll, we'll see a resolution to that uh, sooner rather than later. But something really needs to be done with the organisation of the team and uh, the defence in particular. At, uh, at the back, um, we've, we've lost uh, uh, bun uh before deadline day and uh on deadline day we got uh, a polish keeper in uh grzgorz i think his name is uh so we just call him greg
0: yeah i think greg might
1: uh, be <laughs> <laughs> so uh uh yeah Gre- greg sandomieski has, uh, has come in uh to uh, provide uh, some competition uh, for Jake Keane and uh, Paul Robinson. But otherwise, on the defensive front, um, it's pretty much as you were, yeah?
0: Yeah, uh, obviously, Henrique came in. Henrique. uh, He's another one. Henrique. Yeah, one of the Portuguese contingent. Um, I I was down at the under-21 game um, at Ewood on on Friday against Bolton. Uh, He played and he did fairly well. Um, um, Obviously, it is Sort of a youth team game, uh, but um, he, he looked pretty good. looked composed. Um, put some good tackles in. Um, was not phased by some physical stuff from from the Bolton side. Uh, so you know, fingers crossed, he might be able to to you know provide some decent cover. Um, so he he looked all right when he when he you know considering it was his first co- competitive action uh, for Rovers. Uh, Enrique looked looked decent um obviously still going to need quite a lot of work uh, for him to make uh, first team appearances but uh, as a first sort of look at him uh, he looks a lot better than say like someone like Adinho Jr who uh i, I, I mean i think me and you could do a better drop job when um I don't,
1: yeah i don't know about you but i could uh, yeah <laughs> uh, he,
0: he
1: looks he looks um yeah. well you know, little boy lost. I think it was yeah, yeah. even on on Friday.
0: Um, yeah. I think well, okay, this is uh, under twenty ones game, so uh, he he should he should do well for us at this level. But he looked lost again. Uh, the one that really stood out on Friday was Fabio Nunes. Uh, uh, this he's he's good. Obviously, he's had a few first team opportunities, and it's been uh, hit and miss, should we say? But um, on Friday, he was flying down that wing. um, uh, Unbelievable. And he was taking on players, putting some good quality ball in. Uh, He played a little bit central as well at times. And again, he was taking on men. And and his final shot was a bit off target. But uh, he looked really good uh, at that level anyway. So he's another one who, with a bit of work, uh, could make that step up to the first team and become a first team regular. Uh, so it, it's kind of a mixed bag with the, the Portuguese uh, contingent. Um, uh, that uh, there's another one, isn't there? Rosario, is he called? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Ardo or Rosario? Rosado, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that uh, a lot of people are saying is is a really good player. Obviously, we haven't seen him yet. Um, I've heard he's been training for the last two weeks, and people at like Brockwell have been really impressed with his technical ability. And, and that's what uh, a friend of mine who works for World Soccer Magazine, he asked a Portuguese uh, correspondent for me, and he said that this guy is a, a really, really good player. He's he's good energy, good good technically, he can got a good engine, he can work up and down. And the likes of Liverpool and uh, UV and a few other big clubs looked at him um, in January, um, and, and he was quite surprised that Rovers got him and he thinks that given the right sort of system and the right kind of nurturing, uh, he could become uh, a very big player for, for for a club that he moves to. So for Rovers, uh, the problem is that nurturing bit. I don't think we've got a manager who can nurture players. Uh, so while Keane's there, I'm not sure you know if he can progress to the level that he's potentially could you know to the level that his potential could get him to. But um, He's definitely one that I'm looking forward to seeing over the coming weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now uh, on the outgoing side, um, N- Nzonzi uh, finally went to to Stoke City, uh, made his debut yesterday. Apparently, had a, a pretty outstanding debut. And uh, David Goodwillie uh, went on loan to Crystal Palace. He was uh, on the bench. Yes, uh, was it uh, day before yesterday? Uh, so uh i don't know whether uh, whether he'll be able to get up to full fitness uh, down at palace or not certainly wasn't fit uh, when when uh, when we saw him against
0: Leicester. yeah um uh, I, I think he can you know, he he could do a job in this division um so you know I think i i just wish him all the best he's obviously not had the best of time at rovers but um he's i, I still think he could score goals particularly at this level uh he hasn't shown that yet uh, but um i think if he gets like you said, his fitness is is the big issue with him. But if he can get himself fully fit and get at a club where he's getting regular football, uh, then then he could score at this level. And obviously on Zonzi, uh some people are telling me he was actually the man of match yesterday. Um so that's a massive, you know, debut for him against Man City as well, to, to even maybe have got the man of the match game. That's superb for him. Uh, obviously the way he left leaves a bit of a sour taste in terms of the way he sulked uh, from you know the end of last season. But uh, people have got to understand that his relationship with Steve Keane had completely and utterly broken down. Uh, and and when that happens, then unfortunately uh, a player's not going to be performing at the optimum level, and and certainly won't be happy. Uh, because the manager, you know, the relationship with the manager had completely broken down. He was desperate to get out of of Rovers. He was really worried on transfer deadline day as the hours ticked away and Rovers couldn't agree a uh, deal with with a couple of clubs that were after him. Uh, but in the end, I think Rovers knew that if they don't get if they don't sell him, then they're going to have a big problem on their hand because you know he just you know he's not going to be playing first team football. With, with Steve Keane as a manager, because the relationship had broken down. Uh, so in the last hour, it literally was the last hour uh, when they finally agreed a deal with, with Stoke. Uh, I think it's only 3 million to begin with. Uh, I think there are some performance-related bonuses in there, which could take it up to 5 million. But the very good thing I'm told is that the Rovers have put a sell-on close. Um, so if Stoke sell him on, then I think there might be a hefty uh, sell-on clause uh, in there. And the way Stoke play, uh, I think it will play to Anzonzi's strengths. Um, So he will shine in that team. And if he does really well, then the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool who looked at him 18 months ago, uh, they might be back in for him. Um, But, you know, I mean, he did a good job for Rovers. Yes, he sulked at times and yes, he fell out even with Sam Allardyce at one point. Uh, under 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 the when in the second season at Rovers, and and obviously uh, at the end of the last season the, the game at Swansea where he was an absolute disgrace. Uh, you know those memories will always stay with us. But uh, I accept his mitigating circumstances uh, in that his relationship with the manager uh, had completely broken down, and and that was a big reason as to why we saw. You know the performances and the behaviour uh, towards the end of last season. Um, but, you know, he did a good job for us. Um, and, you know, remember we picked him up for peanuts. Um, and so even selling it for three to five million, it still presents uh, quite a hefty profit.
1: Yeah. Um, in terms of transfer policy, uh, there's uh, been a, quite a, a seismic shift in, in terms of uh, how we've approached things compared with, say, uh, last uh, last summer and uh, uh, January transfer windows. Uh, w- would you say that we're round about the plus minus zero in terms of uh, outlay? Uh, it doesn't look to me as though there's been su- significant spending uh, when you take everything to, into account. Uh, ha- have you actually done the sums on that?
0: Uh, I've not done the sums, but um, I think they have spent money Uh, I think the big thing is the restrictions on the wage have been taken off, uh, which was the reason why we lost a lot of players at the end of last season, because they were trying to bring down the wage budget. Um, Whatever's happened over the summer, they've decided, okay, right, let's, let's get the wage budget back up to a level that makes us competitive. And... So the, they saved a heck of a lot of money between January and, and July because the wage budget had been cut by a huge amount. Uh, so, so that's the big change. We're now bringing in players and we're paying them big wages, particularly for a championship club. That's why we've got the likes of Murphy, Atuhu, Best, and even Jordan Rhodes. Uh, the reason we got him was because we were prepared to pay him a wage that he would not even get at a Premier League club. Uh, so, so that's why, he, you know, it was a big decision for him to come to Rovers because, you know, financially he was setting himself up for life, you know, with a five year contract uh, on the wages that he is and the bonuses for goals etc. Uh, it's going to push his wage, uh, you know, to, to a quite a high level. So that's the big change. That's where the big spending has been. If you look at transfer fees, uh, you've got to include the 12 million that we got for Samba in February. Uh, in, into the equation and then the second payment of uh, uh transfer and the second payment of the, the Phil Jones transfer plus uh, the 1 to 2 million that we got for uh, Yakubu plus the 3 million for onzonzi uh, plus the guaranteed 3.5 to 4 million that we've got for Junior coming in when the tribunal date happens yeah i haven't got a date for it yet but we're guaranteed three to three and a half to four million but it could rise to six six and a half million so if you look at all those transfer fees yeah we've made a lot of money um but you have to look at they used they've cleared the 18 million pound barclays overdraft i'm pretty sure that's been cleared by these transfer fees and wage savings we've made and they've got a new uh, lending facility with the State Bank of India, which I've been repeatedly told is definitely secured against Venki's India assets and not against uh, Blackburn Rovers assets. So, so yeah. you know, so that's 20, 25 million that they've secured against their own assets in India. So, so I think we are, in terms of if you look at it, the money-wise, yeah, if you look, break it down, we did they probably still made much more money than than they've spent, but it looks like they've taken the restrictions off. It looks like they are prepared to push the boat out, as we saw with Jordan Rhodes. And the big thing that's happened is we've started to repair our um, um, reputation with the agents because uh, agents run football. Uh, if you want to do transfers, you've got to deal with agents. And last summer, uh, sorry, summer 2011, our reputation with agents was uh, lower than more. Low. It was that uh, this club messes around. We went after Cissé, Piatti, Witzel, um, various players and messed around and messed around and didn't sign them. In the end, we ended up pe- with people like Goodwillie and Petrovic uh, and, and really pissed off a lot of agents because of the way we behaved. What's happened this summer is that uh, our man Shebby's come in and he's, you know, obviously well organized in terms of he knows what money he's got to spend, and you know they've said they wanted roads. They talked to his agent, and they went and did the deal, and 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 did, you know there was the transfer fee, etc. Uh, but you know in the end they did go and complete the deal. And same with the two, same with Best, same with Danny Murphy. Uh, you know they, those deals were done very very quickly. And they stuck to the promises they broadly made to those agents in terms of what they were prepared to pay. So that relationship with with agents, which is very very important if you want to do transfer business, has been uh, repaired. And obviously, clubs are in the in the championship are seeing that these guys are big spenders and and they're prepared to pay big money. So again, you know, I think the, the reputation in terms of the way we do business, uh, transfer related business. I think our reputation in that respect has has improved. Yeah, you
1: mentioned Chevy uh, Singh there. Um, he uh, gave an interview uh, to BRFCS with yourself uh, shortly after the open floor meeting. And uh, by that time, he'd already backtracked on, uh, on what he'd been saying at the open floor meeting. And uh, since then, everything's gone quiet. Um, we haven't heard anything at all. Uh, from
0: Shebby. Uh, What's happening there? It's pretty clear to me now, um, from a number of people who've told me, that it does seem that Keane's got a points target of circa 16 points from the first seven games, Um, which means um, that if if he's to reach that target, he's got to win. He had to win yesterday and he's got to win the the two home games this week against Barnsley and Middlesbrough it seems he does have that target um, and I suspect if he meets that target he'll be given another target um, the good thing that Shebby's doing is that he's now the the main person that the owners are talking to so previously it was Keane, he was talking to the owners he was telling them what they needed to hear now it's Shebby who's talking to him. He accompanies them to the game. He sits with them at the game. He accompanies them you know, back to London, because that's where they're based when, when, when they come to the UK. And he talks to them on a very regular basis. He went to India you know, in the last two weeks and has had a meeting with Mrs Desai, I'm told. And So, so Chevy Singh is the main man in terms of communication with the owners. What he's doing is, for example, yesterday he was sat with the owners and i'm pretty sure he was telling them what was going on on the pitch um, you know uh, the the you know i'm pretty sure he knows defensively we were diabolical yesterday um, and you know he's a pundit he he know he kind of understands the game and so yesterday i'm pretty sure he would have been telling them that look yes we've won. it's brilliant we've got 3 points superb but he'd have been highlighting to them the flaws in, in in the rover's defensive performance, and you know he'd have done it at the leicester game um you know and and, and you know he'll probably do it at the ballnswick game if if the owners are there, so they're getting a proper picture of what's going on. you know you'd have told them yesterday that Bristol City are not one of the strongest sides in in the championship, so they're getting a forensic analysis so to speak of what's happening on the pitch, so they're now able to make a more informed decision. Obviously, while we're top of the league, there's no chance that you, know, you can sack Steve Keane. And if he keeps meeting his targets, then again, there's no chance you can sack him. But the very distinct impression I get from, not Shebby, but from other people both here and in Pune, which is more more important, it does look like that if, if Keane doesn't meet targets, then he's now held to account. And the person holding him to account will be Shebby. Uh, and he seems to have the power to do that. He doesn't have the power to sack You know, he can't say to Keane, right, you're sacked. That will always be done by the owners. And Mrs Desai, obviously, is the main main person with regards to that. You know, if she says Keane's not getting sacked, then it doesn't matter what Shebby says, she, you know, Keane won't be sacked. But I'm told she does listen to him. She's been fair with what he's done with the Rovers in terms of the way he's engaged with the uh the fans, the way he's talked to the protest movement, you know, the way he's talked to Glenn and various other people. So she's been she's seen the evidence of he, the way he's engaged with fans. Uh so she does seem to listen to him. Um so it'd be interesting to see what happens uh this week should we not win both games and not get to that sixteen point uh target he's got. Um and and you know I think there's a big movement uh from within the club, to make this understand that the, you know, a lot of fans, the, the Steve Keane issue is huge. And she'll see again this week, even though we're top of the league, thousands will stay away uh, because they won't come back to Ewood while uh, Keane's the manager. And I think that's the big thing that will probably get Keane sacked eventually because uh, they'll see that. Fans just aren't coming to you with while while, while Keane's the manager, so things could happen with regards to Keane. More hopeful than I've been in the last 18 months in terms of him actually getting sacked. But I will, you know, preface this by saying in the end the decision to sack Keane will come down to Mrs. Decide. Yes, the brothers have a say. If they had their way, he'd have gone last year. But she's saved him on numerous occasions, so uh, you know she will be the one who decides. But uh, at least she's listening to Shebby and he can influence the owners uh, and he's giving them a picture of, of what's happening. And that's the first time they've had that picture uh, because in the past they were just heard what Keen and the other people wanted them to hear. But now uh, he's talking to fans, he's seeing the reaction and, and they're getting a proper picture of what's happening at Ewood.
1: Yeah. Um, when you were saying uh, the family were at the game, uh, it was the, the Rao brothers, uh, Mr Balaji and Mr Venkatesh, the, the, the Bristol City game, uh, and also at the Leeds uh, Leeds game uh, the other week. Uh, now it's it's interesting what you're saying about uh, the targets because that that fits in in my mind with what uh, Sheby was saying at the open floor meeting. Um, I, I don't think it was uh, done very well, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, in hindsight he, he he realizes that himself. It was pretty poor the way that uh, he, he put it across. But uh, it, it, it does seem to fit in, in my mind, uh, this idea of constant targets. And it uh, would be interesting this week if, uh, if we only get a draw against Barnsley or Middlesbrough, uh, whether that results in uh, uh, immediate action on the, on, on the manager. But, uh, anyway, uh, just uh, moving on. Um, sponsorship. We've uh, we, we've had numerous uh, people on the on the message boards commenting on this. Uh, you go to the, you go to Ewood and uh, uh, the WEC uh, down end stand is no more. The uh, boards around uh, the uh, uh, the the ground are em- empty uh, in in large part, uh, and also uh, we've no sponsorship for for the team itself for the for for the for the shirt sorry, um, do do you have any uh, latest on the sponsorship for uh, for for the for the club or for uh, for
0: the team shirt? Yeah, um, like you um, at the Leicester game, it was very very obvious that there were lots of gaps in the in the sponsorship hoardings that are around the ground. A lot of white boards with no sponsorship. The WEC of stand has gone. Uh, and, the spur- and we've got no shirt sponsor. Um, just going off the fans forum mi- minutes that I was reading, um, I think it was last week, um, and Paul Eing was at that and he was saying that uh, a sponsorship, shirt sponsorship deal uh, is possible and that they've had new offers um, and they're negotiating. So, um, you know, maybe that's something that could happen in the next few weeks. But... While things on the pitch look great, and it's great that Shebby's talking to the owners and they're, they're spending money, off the pitch it's a bit of a shambles. Uh, I think you know we're not being run to the very high professional standard that uh, we expect. Uh, John and Tom Finn used to run Rovers to a very high standard, but okay, you, don't, you can't reach that level. But you know we should be run much better than the way we are being run you know they, with the sponsorship around the ground yeah we should that's sorted you know you should have full advertising holdings uh a shirt sponsor if you're doing it you know you know we're into what october now. you know uh, nearly october sorry and we still haven't got a shirt sponsor so that needs sorting uh the commercial side of things uh, you know that needs sorting um that the way they interact with fans in terms of not the club, the merchandise, that needs sorting. Uh, those issues, they're still there. And because things have been allowed to drift over the last eighteen months, it's like trying to turn around a huge tanker and it's gonna have to you can't just do it instantly, you've got to do it slowly. But what you've got to do is you've got to try and get the best possible people in to, to run those sides of, of things and when you do that then you might be able to slowly turn things around but you know it could take another year to really sort out the mess that the administrative structures are um, at, at EWood um, it could take a year or so to sort that out or even more but what you really need to do is get the proper people in uh, to to be able that job. Uh, Sheb interviewed him, he said he allows those sides of the club to run itself but he just dealt authority so he delegates authority to the various sections and he meets them on a regular basis and he's working with them to improve things but uh, we've lost you know obviously key staff who are uh, you know highly professional so we need to replace them and, and, and turn that, that thing around but the sponsorship and commercial issues they really need to get a grip you know uh, if, they, if they're going to turn that around.
1: Yeah, and uh, not only do we not have a, a shirt sponsor, uh, the third the third shirt for the Rovers, Um So we've got blue and white halves for the home shirt. First away shirt is all blue. And uh, what colour do they what colour do they choose for a, a third away shirt? Third kit is all white,
0: is it? We had the blue and white home. We had a blue away top and that's what they went with. They realised, allegedly, a few weeks before the start of the season, that, oh, you know, Dan, we need another kit, because when you play Ipswich, for example, they have a blue home kit, so you can't wear a blue and white or blue, you can't wear your home top there, you can't wear the weight top there. At that it was too late to have a custom designed kit, because it takes weeks and weeks and weeks for Umbro to design one, and then you know, approve it and then get it printed. So what they had to do is what every Sunday League team does is they had to get an off-the-shelf design. So, you know, like my team, Banktop Rovers, when I go to the Umbro store, I just buy an off-the-shelf design and they customise it with our badge. Well, that's what Rovers had to do with their away kit. So they went for the white one. Uh, so that's a off-the-shelf design. You know, Umbro only have X... Thousands of them because they are mass manufactured is off the shelf, and and rovers have bought them, so they'll be selling them. Once it runs out, that's it. There won't be any more merchandise. So, you know, once they've sold two or three thousand of those white shirts, that's it. There won't be any more because it's an off the shelf. It's not a custom design kit. So that's the story apparently behind the third kit, which again shows the shambles that we're in. Uh, yeah. Even even our message board. <laughs> Months and months ago, when these kits were uh, were released, people were saying, well, wait a minute, what colour are we going to play in against Birmingham? Or against... Uh, uh, Sheffield Wednesday in Brighton. Yeah, and now we've got a white kit. You know, when we come to Sheffield Wednesday in Brighton, like you say, uh, when they've got blue and white kit, striped kids. So, <laughs> so what kit are we going to wear against them? Uh, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That, that's one small example of why the club, you know, that why the club is not going forward in a off the fit pitch sense. You know, people should realize at the club that you can't, you know, you need different coloured shirts. And okay, if they wanted the blue and white and blue design, then they should just at the fixture list or the team list for for the championship, and they would have realized the other combination of clash. And, and it's just ridiculous.
1: And uh, while such uh, incompetence is, uh, is rife, uh, we've, uh, we've had uh, some rather disturbing news that uh, staff have been made redundant down at EWood. Um, at first, we had uh, some kind of Chinese whispers going on that this may be an entire department that was going to be uh, uh, got rid of by the club. Uh, it turns out that uh, it's um, possibly three or four, maybe five or six redundancies. Now, um, do, do you know uh, the ins and outs of uh, of that? Uh,
0: to be honest, you know, um, you know, I wouldn't want to speculate because uh, it's. I've heard the same stories as everyone else, and I'm pretty sure at least four or five people have gone because those people have contacted me or they've contacted BRFTS and want to talk about it on and off the record basis at the moment, uh, obviously Paul Agnew's come out at the fans forum meeting, and on the record uh, has said three or four staff, I think he said. So, so uh, it's it's hard it's hard because you get so much conflicting information from from different people. So I wouldn't want to speculate whether a department has gone or not, um, or the number of redundancies that there've been. Um, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it's just too difficult at the moment to be sure of exactly what's going on. Uh, hopefully things will become a little bit more clear over the next month or so. And, and, you know, I think some of those staff that have gone are keen uh, to talk on a on-the-record basis and, and tell people about the experiences at Rovers and, and what they think has happened. Um, so if they decide that, then again, people might get a unique insight into what the chaos that's been going on uh, in the background.
1: Uh, also, uh, Ken Beamish uh, has, uh, is to retire as commercial manager. Um, now, the, the word is that uh, he was pushed into it. Is is that what you understand?
0: Um, I having not talked to him, I, you know, again, I don't want to say he's been pushed into it when, when, when he may not have been, but I know he loves his job at Rovers. Uh, I talked to him about uh, six, seven months ago, and absolutely no indication that he was looking to uh, to um, retire or move on. You know, he loves the job at Rovers, uh, but know um, it's a results based thing, and unfortunately, as a commercial manager, uh, he's probably been held accountable for you know. The commercial side of things, in terms of, you know, what we've just remarked on, um, sponsorship deals or um, um, corporate executive boxes not being full, or the advertising holdings having big gaps, as Mr. Might suspect, someone like Shebby has held Ken to account, and maybe he's decided himself that he doesn't need the hassle and he's going to retire. But I do know he did know this job at Rovers, but whether he's been pushed into retiring or whether he just decided himself, uh, it'd be just speculation at this moment. But I think he has been held to account with regards to the commercial side of things.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, On the the, the player recruitment side, uh, a new head scout uh, has been appointed. Uh, just as the uh, the transfer window shut, in fact. Uh, Ray Clark has come in. Uh, what do you know about him?
0: Yeah, uh, Ray Clark has come in. Um, again, I didn't know much, too much about him when he was announced, but um, I've talked to a few people in and around the, the game. And, you know, he was, I think, previously at Celtic. Uh, and he found Light Mura who was a big success there. Um, so... He obviously knows the wider European and world market uh, really well. Uh, he'd fit in with the Venki's kind of strategy of of finding hidden gems. You know, so all these Portuguese players that we've got, they believe some of them could turn into, you know, cheap buy could turn into four or five, six million pound players. So, so I think that's the way they want to do business with the odd star signing like Jordan Rhodes or um, you know Leon Best. Kind of uh, thrown in, Um, so you know he'd he'd be the man who's who's going to be doing that. I've been working with the club for he has come in now. He's been at the club for four or five months, Uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether it's been his work uh, regarding the Portuguese players. Whether he's the one who's brought them in, Um, with particularly Steve Keen uh, last week admitted that the Portuguese players that came in on on transfer deadline they weren't his signings. They were um, Chevy Singh who'd bought them in and, and that he had seen them play uh, before they'd signed. So I've, I've been told Ray Clark has been in and around the club for the last few months. Uh, so, so it'd be interesting to see whether he had any part to pay, play in these Portuguese signings. But uh, the people I've talked to said he's fairly competent and he does know the world market quite well uh, that fit in with what Venkis want to do.
1: That's uh, in- interesting that you, you you mentioned the Portuguese side. Uh, I think in a podcast earlier, you are suggesting that it was uh, all down to a single agent that was dealing with the Portuguese uh, uh, players. Is is, is that uh, correct?
0: Yeah, I think there's a, um, there's a Venkis commercial manager out there uh, who apparently was uh, involved with academia uh, at the time that uh Steve Keane was there uh is, you know there's lots of different stuff coming out from 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 these transfers and it, I'll still file it as highly unusual that you've got so many players from one country um possibly linked to uh one or two if, if we're most likely working together uh, so it's still highly unusual that we've got all these players from three um and 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 you know I've not seen it happen at a, a football club to the extent that we've done. Um, so it's it still a unusual. Uh, but you know, with Keane coming out, there that he wasn't involved, then you know, you've got to look at maybe it's Shebby and maybe he's working with somebody there.
1: Now, with, uh, looking ahead, we've got two, two games uh, coming up this week, uh, Barnsley and Middlesbrough. How do you see those
0: going? Yeah, we've got Barnsley on, on Tuesday. I think it's uh, 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, they're um, a decent side, probably a bit better than Bristol City, but we're at home and you know, we should be flying um, after the last couple of results, even though defensively we've not been that great uh, in an attacking sense. The players should be flying, so you know, we should win that one. And then Friday night, uh, we've got Middlesbrough. It's the live Sky game. And I think it's that'll be a 7:45 kickoff. Um, So it's Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough are are going to be a tough test, I think. Uh, They're well organised, good defensively, um, and I think they'll be eventually will be in the top six this year. I think they'll definitely get into the playoffs. Uh, So that'll be be a a bigger test, I think. If we make mistakes and concede two or three goals against. Uh, the likes of middlesbrough i think we might struggle to score four goals like you know, you know winning game 5-3 or 4-3 or whatever i think against middlesbrough we're going to have to be well organized they definitely going to be well organized and they'll probably have a game plan of trying to frustrate us and hit us on the break uh so we're going to be have to be wary of that um but you know if Keynes 2 reaches magic 16 point mark um you know if if that those rumours are true, then he's going to have to win both games. Uh, I can see us beating Barnsley. Uh, Middlesbrough, we're going to have to improve our performance, particularly in a defensive sense, if we're going to get anything from that game, because I fully expect them to be in the top six this year, along with Nottingham Forest, Blackpool, um, possibly Brighton as well. I think Brighton have done a good job. And then you've got Cardiff, who uh, and Bolton, who I think will fight for the automatic promotion places with ourselves, so so you know is one of those games that we've got to win.
1: Yeah well uh, look forward to discussing the games with you next week. Um, in the meantime, uh, I hope that everyone's listened to podcast 41 uh interview with Michael Blackburn about his book, uh, Agents, Rovers and Cricket Loving Owners. And also uh, there's an interview with Ewood Dorn and Oz from the message board uh, uh, talking about the burial of the coffin event in July. Um, if you haven't uh, seen it, uh, there's a review of Michael Blackburn's book, uh, By Parson Blue, uh, our trusty uh, match reporter. Uh, very good review of the book there, if you want to have a look at that as well. Well, that's all we have time for uh, for today. Uh, we look forward to uh, having Cami back on again soon. Thank you, Cami.
0: Yeah, thank you, Red. Um, and hopefully, you know, next time we're on, we're still top of the league and maybe keen has gone. That's my hope. Right. And,
1: uh, yeah, uh, of course, uh, Eddie uh, would have been with us today, but uh, he's uh, moving house and moving country. Uh, good luck to Eddie as he moves over to the United Kingdom. Uh, he'll be able to get along to the matches uh, a bit more easily, I think. Uh, thanks to Josh. That's J asterisk B on the forums. Uh, he's working in the background uh, on the recording today and uh, he'll be producing today's podcast. Thank you to him. That's all for today. And uh, thank you ever so much for listening. And wherever you are, do take care. Thank you.